This week's parasha is Parashas Vayigash. And we find in this parasha something that's Pile Plaim. Yasef, as we know, was thrown into a pit full of snakes and scorpions by his own brothers. He was torn away from his own father for decades. He was put in jail and slavery, untold suffering. And now he rises to the position of being viceroy of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world. And here he has his brothers who caused him all of these tsarists exactly where he wants them. He is the viceroy and they are needy. He has all of the money and all of the power and all of the resources in the world. And they are trapped in a spiral of poverty and famine in a position that they need him so much and he needs them not at all. A mere mortal, a human being, in such a position as Yasef, with his proverbial heel on the neck of his brothers, those brothers that did so much harm to him, a mere mortal would just simply apply pressure on their enemies' necks. How could you not? Revenge is sweet. It's payback time. Everything that you did to me, I now will do to you. I will imprison you, I will enslave you, I will separate you from your father. But that's what a mere mortal would do. Yosef HaTzadik was not like you and me. Yosef HaTzadik was Yosef HaTzadik. And the Psukim speak for themselves. We don't need Medrashim to describe the greatness of Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef uses L'Shainais Ba'ata al As soon as he reveals himself, not even for a minute did it allow them to squirm and to feel uncomfortable. Don't be distressed, don't be saddened. Don't be frustrated, don't be anguished. That you sold me down here to Egypt. Clearly, it was just HaKadosh Baruch Hu has orchestrated all of the chain of events that you should send me here so that I can become a Meshal over Mitzrayim and I could be here to sustain Yaakov Avinu, to sustain you and your Mishpachas. And then he says, you bring down Tati, the Ashapta Beretz Goshen, you'll live in Eretz Goshen near me and it'll be wonderful, we'll get reconnected to one another and then Lakulam Nasan Khalifa Ismalais, he gave them gifts. Not only did he not harm them, not only did he not admonish them, he actually praised them, he gave them gifts, he comforted them. This is an amazing act, a superhuman act of godless that Yasef Atsadik displays in this week's parsha. And what I'd like to do over the course of this morning's shmuz is take a few Musar Haskells from this parasha, how we could apply it to our own life, how we can understand what the rationale for Yasef was to do such a, an amazing act of kindness and benevolence to his brothers, and what we could take from it, how we could possibly change our own attitudes throughout our life using Yosef as a role model. So the first Maramakim, of course, is the Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch writes in Mitzvah Reish Mem Aleph, which is the 
the lav of Leisikaim. That a person is supposed to not take revenge. There's two back-to-back lavin in that pasuk. In Parshas Kedoshim, Leisikaim v'Leisitar. You're not supposed to take revenge, and you're not supposed to take revenge. What is the difference between revenge and revenge, Leisikaim and Leisitar? So the famous Chazal that teaches us that if I come to you and I ask you to borrow a, uh, a snow shovel, snowing today and I have six inches on my driveway, I forgot to get a snow shovel, and I go to my next door neighbor and I ask, can I please borrow your snow shovel? I see you're done with your walk. And he says to me, no, you can't borrow my snow shovel. I'm not lending it out. It's my snow shovel. Every time I lend out my snow shovel, they don't return it or they break it. I'm not interested. A few weeks later, it snows again, and now I had bought my own snow shovel. And he comes to me now and he says, my snow shovel broke. Can I borrow yours? So now I'm in a good position because it's a win-win situation. I have two choices here. I could either say absolutely not, because when I needed your snow shovel a couple of weeks ago, last snowstorm, you were disgusting to me. You didn't give me your snow shovel when I needed I had six inches of snow. I couldn't get out of the front door, and you were so mean to me. You were so unwilling to... I'm not giving you my snow shovel. That's Lysikon. Don't take revenge. Don't do what he did to you back to him. Lysitar is the other way. Oh, I'll give you my snow shovel. You know why? Because I'm not like you. You are like a lowlife. You're a mean, petty person who couldn't lend out his snow shovel when I needed it. But I'm not like you. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to give you my snow shovel. And I'm going to show you the way it's really done, the way a Jew really acts towards another Jew, this is what I do, as opposed to you. That's Leisitar. Very similar. It's both acts of revenge. Just one is with a with a, a mean face and one is with a smiley face. But they're both equally usher. Now, why is it so bad to take revenge? I think it's justified. He wasn't nice to me. I needed a snow shovel. He didn't give it to me. He didn't give it to me. I don't want to give it to him. Is there something wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I'm not saying it's the nicest thing in the world to do, but doesn't, it doesn't, that's Mida. You weren't nice. I needed a favor. Why should I give you, do a favor to you when you didn't do a favor to me? Makes a lot of sense to me. And the answer, says the Sefer HaChinuch, is that you have to understand that human beings are not really as much of Bali Bechira as we like to believe that we are. Of course we have Bechira, but a lot that's happening throughout the course of our day and our life, through human beings, through other people, is really Hashkacha Sabayre. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to suffer to a certain degree, and it's good for us to suffer. <coughs> Because the more we suffer, the less Averis we have, the less Gehenim we have to endure. So it's good for us to suffer. That's Hanacha Aleph. How does HaKadosh Baruch Hu cause us to suffer? In a variety of different ways. Sometimes through sickness, sometimes through financial stress, and sometimes through interpersonal bad experiences. When that person failed to lend me his shovel when I needed it, and it really made me very upset, that anguish that I had over him not lending me the shovel, I was blaming him. I was telling all my friends and family what a mean guy this is that lives next door to me. But the truth is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put into his mind, don't lend him the shovel because he needs to suffer. So the real cause of my distress and my duress was not my neighbor, it was the Rabbi Nishleilam. The Rabbi Nishleilam was the one that sent this bad experience to me, but it's not really my neighbor's fault. We blame the neighbor, but 
it's not really his fault. It's, it's the Rebbein is the one that, that's really ultimately responsible. So when I want to take revenge against him, you're taking revenge against the wrong being. Not that you should take revenge against the Rebbein Yishayim, Halilah. But you should understand that that person, when he didn't lend me a snow shovel, it wasn't really his kavanas that didn't lend me his snow shovel. It was really HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that that should happen to me. This is a philosophical, you know, it's a, it's a problematic philosophical concept. Because, you know, is there Bechira or is there not Bechira? Does a person have the ability to choose or not to choose? And I guess it's somewhere in the middle. You do, but HaKadosh Baruch also influences our choices. But the reason why it's so bad to see everything interpersonally without factoring in the Rabbi Shalom is that then we make it me against you. You against me. And it's not that way. And this is what we see by Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik says this chinuch out. The Sefer HaChinuch comes to life through the mouth of Yosef HaTzadik in this parsha. He says, he says, I realize that now I have the opportunity to take revenge. I could do anything that I want to you. I could throw you in a pit with snakes and scorpions if I want to. I could throw you in jail like I had to be put in jail for many years because of Aisha's Paitifar. I could make you squirm and struggle and feel awful about everything that you did to me, but that will be missing the point. I know that it wasn't you. I know that it was the Rabbi Shalom that orchestrated all of this for me perhaps to suffer and then for me to come out of the suffering and to rise to the occasion that now I am the Moshe B'chaleret Mitzrayim. This is what Yosef says. Don't be upset even. I'm not taking revenge against you. Why? I realize how HaKadosh Baruch was the one that was behind everything that happened to me. Imagine if we could go through life understanding that. Imagine if every single time people cause us tsar, people cause us stress, people cause us anguish, whether it's a boss, whether it's a professor, whether it's a, a sibling, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a, a child. Imagine a wife, a husband, every time that people are making us like angry and anguished and upset, we're able to wash it off. We're able to say, ah, it's not a problem. I know that this is all from the Rabbi Nishlein. Imagine. Imagine how great a life that could be. You know, just to reference something that happened to Rav Steinemann, Zechitzadik Lebracha, I read a lot of articles about his life and about his legacy. And if you'd, I'll save you a lot of time. If you don't have time to read all the articles, I'll save you a lot of time. Rav Steinemann's Yisaid was one. And that is that don't get too involved in Eilam Hazeb because it's all Shtas HaMabalim. He says, just keep a focus on Eilam Habah. Keep a focus on Nitzchias in life. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. And the more I suffer in this world, the less I enjoy this world, the better it is for me because that way I'll have a real Eilam Habah. I'll learn Torah because that way I won't have busyness in Eilam Habah. I will minimize the amount of stress and anxiety that people cause me in this world so that I'm able to focus on what I should be focused on and not get bogged down by everything that I that will prevent me from getting the maximum Eilam Habah that I could get. Now, Steinemann had a, uh, a lot of detractors at one point in his life. When he started taking the helm of Klal Yisrael after Shachos Nifter, he issued a certain sap about, about the tzibra at large that was very controversial. And a lot of Kanoim and Eretz Yisrael were viciously opposed to what he held. And there was a lot of, a lot of upheaval. People were very chutzpedictor of Steinman. They did, they made machais against him. And one chutzpanyak scrawled terrible graffiti on, his, on the door to his humble abode in Bnei Brak. 
And I don't know what it said on it, but it was obviously something that was really vicious and undeserved and, and just downright awful. And so one of the Gabayim of Rav Steinemann didn't want this graffiti on the door of his house. So he, uh, he basically started like scraping it off and painting it and covering it up and he spent a lot of time doing this. And Rav Steinemann, when he went out the door, he noticed that the, that the graffiti was all gone. And if I was Rav Steinemann, I would give my Gabay a big hug and thank you for taking it off. It was Bizyanus. He had such tightness, Rav Steinemann, against his Gabay for doing this. He says, why, why'd you take, why'd you get rid of it? I wanted it up. Because you wanted it to say that you're a blankety blanco. What, what did you want in your front door? Why would you want that? He says, because I need the busyness. I need the embarrassment. I need to be disgraced in this world so that hopefully in Ilam Abba there's going to be less of it for me. That's a Huaya Aimer story. That's a Steinman. Stein was Kulay Ilam Abba and negating and Gansin, negating totally. Elam Hazeh, just minimal, making it nothing. I don't care about Elam Hazeh. That's the perspective of a Yeshiv Atzadik. I don't care about this world. You think I care that you threw me into a pit and all that? If I would take revenge, I would be focused on this world and what you did, and it's not about you. It's all was in charge of every step of the way. He put in your mind this psaked in that I should be I should be killed, I should be thrown into a pit, I should be sold. Every single thing that happened I see was by the Rabbinishalam's decisions. And whatever it is, I'm the Kabbalah. How can I argue with God? God decided this is what it should happen, that's it. I but you're the one that was the Shliach for Akadish Baruch. Okay, fine, I'm Michael you. It's not important to me. Ultimately, you were just a pawn in his hand in order to enable me to get exactly where I am today, and that's all that matters. A person that lives like this is like bulletproof. You go to, you go, you walk through Elam Hazeb, bulletproof. You don't care about what anyone says about you. You don't care if you have graffiti on your front door. You don't care if people are speaking Lashonara about you. You don't care if people are saying terrible things about you or, 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 you know, it doesn't matter to me. The Rabbani Shalom wants me to suffer. I'm suffering. Aye, but this guy's doing it to you. Okay, whatever. The Rabbani Shalom chose him, his, him as a shliach. He's just doing what the Rabbani Shalom wants. Now, does he have Bechira? Yes, but that's not important to me. Ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in control. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the captain of the ship of my life, and I accept it. This is one you say that we could take from Yesu Tzaddik. If we could somehow understand how important it is to realize that this world is not important and that all the people that may be doing things wrong to us are just merely enabling us to get to where we need to go, then it's a different life, it's a different world, it's a happier place. It's fascinating that Yosef didn't only not take revenge, but he was actually, he went out of his way and he was metav to the brothers. He says, I'm going to make you a beautiful city. Gaishen. You're going to have a base medrash there. You're going to have shuls. You're going to have kailim. You're going to have base yakovs. You're going to have everything in Gaishen. Everything you need. I'm going to give you food, housing, clothing, gifts. Yosef didn't just not take revenge, he went a step further and he rewarded them. That's an amazing additional thing that we find from Yosef at Tzadik. Revenge is one thing, okay, I'm not going to take revenge, but you're going to give good, you're going to be native, you're going to give, you're going to be Mishalim, Taiva Tachas Ra. This is something that the Timer Devarah speaks about. Right at the beginning of his Sefer, the Tamer Devaira is one of the classic Musasarim written by the great Ramak. The Ramak was Ramesha Kardavara, who was one of the Gedalim of, of Tzvas in the golden age of Tzvas, in the 1500s, in the times of the Ariza, in the times of Shleim Levi Al Kabitz, in the times of the Alshech. All these great Gedalim just walking around the small holy city of Tzvas at the same time. Amazing. And 
amongst these Gedalim was Ramesha Kardavar, who wrote a small sefer that really became one of the foundations of the Musar movement called the Timer Devira. And the basic premise for the Timer Devira is to try to discuss the 13 Midas of Akadosh not the ones that we say on Rashani Yom Kippur and Shalot Regalom, Hashem Hashem Karachem Achanon, you know, which we lay on the on Tanesim. There's another set of 13 Midas of Akadosh that are found in Sefer Micha. And Micha describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mikel Kamecha, who is like you, Naisei Avain, Vayibra'al Pesha, L'Sheres Nachalosley, Vayichzeklad Apeg, Yichavitz Chesed, who we know this, this short piece from Micha, from Tashlech. When we go to say Tashlech, that's, that's the capital, that's what we say. And what the Ramak does is, brilliantly, he first describes each of these 13 Midas, and then he goes and he applies it to our life. How can we, with our mitzvah, following, emulating HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how can we apply these godly attributes to our own life? And the first midah of Mikel Kamecha, the Ramak explains, what does that mean? Who is like you, God? There's no one, you're unparalleled, you can't, you're peerless, no one can can, can understand your greatness. What's the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So he says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Melech Soivel Elbaim. He's a king who endures suffering, embarrassment, humiliation. Imagine if you were the President of the United States and people are embarrassing you constantly and you have the ability to do a lot to them, but you don't. And not only do you not do bad to them, but you actually reward them for their chutzpah. It's, you can't describe that. It's not shy to explain that. If, if I'm a melech, and I have all the cards in my hand, I can do anything that I want to you, I'm going to give it, I'm going to retaliate against my enemies. But if I don't, if I'm a melech that's Saibel Elba, and I endure it, I take it, I... I, I absorb it and I don't retaliate. And not only do I not retaliate, I am, I give back good to you. That's divine. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now how is HaKadosh Baruch Hu Melech Saibel Elbin? How does he endure such humiliation? Very simple. Because when a person takes the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him, for example, when we look at something that we're not supposed to look at, what are we doing? It's not just the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I don't want you looking at these things. Like, so, surah don't look at it. How are we looking at it? Who gives us the ability to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The reason why we have the gift of eyesight and we're not Khalila blind is only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, this second I want him to be able to see. So what's happening is when we're looking at something that we're not supposed to, we are doing a terrible Avera and we're using the tool that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us to rebel against Him and HaKadosh Baruch Hu continues to give us that ability. He doesn't stop our eyes from seeing. He doesn't say, you know what, He's using it against me, He's rebelling against me. Blindness. He doesn't do that. He allows this human being to continue to see and use those eyes against him. No king in the world would do that. No king in the world would allow somebody to go against him using a gift that I'm giving him and not take away that gift right away. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Melech Seibel Elbein. He takes it all, unlike anyone else in the world, and he's native to the person that's going against him. They say a story about Rabbi Shal Salanter. Rabbi Shal Salanter used to, was once on a train, and there was a person sitting next to him who, was, who had a lot of chutzpah against Rabbi Shal Salanter. And whatever he was tell, saying terrible things to him, really being mean, not being nice, chutzpah. And then... 
when they got off the train, all of a sudden there was like a whole group of people that came, a whole, you know, people that, a delegation to greet the great Rabbi Sal Salanter. And all of a sudden this guy realizes that the person that he, he said very bad things to and was really humiliating the entire trip was none other than the Gadol Adar. And he starts begging Mechila. And Rabbi Sal Salanter was at Sadiq Yisrael and he says, no, forget about it. He says, what are you doing, by the way, in this town? Rabbi Saul asked this guy that was terribly chutzpah him. He says, I am coming to uh, take a faher on smicha. I'm trying to get a kabbalah for shechita or for smicha, something, and I, I, I don't really know it. But I'm supposed to, today's the day of my test, and, uh, and I need to, I really need, he says, he says, you don't know it? He says, you need to learn it? He says, he, his son-in-law was there, Rabbi Saul Salam, his son-in-law, and he arranged that this fellow should learn with his son-in-law. And his son-in-law basically hazarded all the halachas with him, taught it to him, crammed with him, until he was finally able to get smicha uh, that he needed. And this is such a, a story of how you could be melech seibel elba, and you could take a lot of abuse, and not just say, okay, I'm meichel you, I'm not going to take nekama from you, but actually go and be native. Go and I'm going to do good for you. That's something that's godly. That's Mikel Kamaycha. That's what the Taimadabara teaches us is the proper application that we should take from the Rabbi Nishleim. If you really want to be Valach Bedrachab, don't just stop and I'm not going to retaliate, but I'm not doing good for the guy. I'm going to not retaliate and then I'm going to try to really find ways to be native to him. They say about Dr. Landers, it's a friend of Lebracha. That in the early years of Turo, he was, uh, Turo was off to a rocky start. Now today, Baruch Hashem, it's thriving and 28,000 students and this and that. But when it first started, it was very small and they had a lot of financial problems and there was, there were people that were really downright doing borderline criminal activity against Turo that were Turo employees. And they were, I don't know if they were embezzling money or they were, something wrong. They were doing something wrong. I don't know exactly what they were doing. And, and Dr. Lander, many of them were not only not fired, but they were actually promoted. And it's the, by the hespedim of, of, that they gave and every year they have a, you know, yard site for him. And this is always mentioned that he would reward rebelliousness with promotion. Doesn't make sense? Uh, obviously, I don't think these are people that if they continued being in the in the organization, they would have, uh, you know, done more embezzlement. I, I guess it was, you know, the, these were, but but people that were not good, people that were not, you know, towing the line, people that were not loyal to, to the leadership of Turo College, instead of firing them, that like 99.999% of every other boss in the world would do, and it makes sense to do it, they were given promotions. They were given awards. They were given raises. It's a very difficult thing to understand how a human being could do that, but that is Mikel Kamaycha. That's following. That's exactly what the Rabbi Hashem does with all of us, by the way. We are the beneficiaries of that Midah. Because whatever we're doing, every Abeir that we use, our mouth for our ears, our eyes, our legs, our hands, and HaKadosh Baruch should rightfully just say, you know what, he's using a gift that I gave him, let's stop the gift. No, HaKadosh Baruch continues to be mated, he continues to allow us to use those Eivarim, even though it's being used against him, but let him continue using them. This is Yasef HaTzadik. Yasef HaTzadik shows us how a person not only cannot re- not take re- Revenge, but then go and take it a step further and be mative. No, I'm not going to just not be mad. I'm not going to just not tell everybody around me how terrible you were to me and speak terrible Lashon Hara and really, you know, make a click against you. I'm not going to not do that, but I'm going to go and make you the king. I'm going to reward you. I'm going to make you even greater. I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to build you up. That's a higher madrigan than just 
don't be Ivor Lysika. And this is beyond that. This is Mikal Kamaicha. This is, I'm not going to take revenge and I'm going to reward you. I'm going to be native to you in spite of what you did to me. That's godliness. There's one final yisaid that I'd like to take from this uh, episode with Yisav HaTzadik, and this is something that Rabbi Rucham speaks about, and we actually discussed it on the, on the Wednesday night vod. But it's such a, an amazing thing for those of you that weren't there. I want I want to share it with you. Rabbi Rucham says that there's a concept that's a human concept that human nature is if I do you a favor I like that I like doing you a favor because if I do you a favor you owe me and you're eternally indebted to me so if let's say I'm able to I don't know, get you a job I find a job for you I find a shidduch for you I, uh, you know, I enable you to succeed in some way or another you are very indebted to me. And when you try to repay me, I say, no, that's okay, don't. You know, like, I get you a job, now you can support your family. And you send me, like, uh, you say, what can I get for you? You know, I want to get you, uh, you know, can I, can I send you over some flowers for Shabbos? Can I give you, uh, you know, uh, some svarim? You need some svarim? No, 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 I don't want any. It's fine, keep it, I'm happy. I'm happy I did you the chesed. What's my real kavana? My real kavan is I like very much that you should always feel indebted to me. Every time I see you in Shul on Shabbos and you're, and you're still employed, I should feel like I got you that job. Because of me, you're able to feed your family. Because of me, you're able to clothe your children and send them to yeshiva. I like that. I like that feeling of you being my indebted servant. I like that. Rabbi Rucham says that's a terrible thing. Part of doing somebody a chesed is allowing the person to return a chesed back to you so that they don't feel indebted to you. If I am a real mensch, I wouldn't just get you a job. I'd say, could you do me a favor and, you know, and drive me to, uh, to the airport tomorrow morning? Why? Because at least then... You get the feeling like, okay, he got me the job, but I returned something. I'm not completely indebted to him. I'm, I'm able to like be a mensch. I'm able to level the playing field a little bit. I'm not like, he's up there and I'm here. We're like sort of getting closer now because I'm doing him a favor back. And that's hard to do sometimes. A human being doesn't want to get the favor returned, especially not if it's a shvacha favor. Because, uh, you know, I want I want that feeling of like leverage that I did you something really important and, and you owe me. But part of being a Balchesed is allowing the person to return the favors that we feel sort of back to even. Rabbi Yerucham says something fascinating that that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us so many mitzvahs to do. Do you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu really needs our davening? He doesn't. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a kol yachol, is an insight. He doesn't need our davening. He doesn't need us to put on tefillin. He'll do just fine if no one puts on tefillin, if no one puts up mezuzah, if no one says Kriya Shema, he's fine. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect without us. So why does he give us all of these mitzvahs to do, says Rabbi Because he wants us to be able to somehow repay all of the good, all of the taivas, all of the chesed that he does for us. We shouldn't feel like we have nothing to give back to him. We shouldn't feel like I'm, I'm just a constant, eternal recipient. I'm a sponge from HaKadosh Baruch. I just keep taking from him. I'm not giving him anything back. So HaKadosh Baruch says, I don't want you to feel that way. So I'm giving you opportunities. Daven and learn and put on tefillin and tzitzis and tzedakah and, and, and say brachas and all these things. Why? Oh, I'm, I did a lot for HaKadosh Baruch today. Yeah, it's true, he gave me life, he gave me food, he gave me money, he gave me the ability to see, to hear, to, but I'm doing a lot back to him, so I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is such a Balchesed that he created an entire system of mitzvahs and taira so that we feel that we are giving back Kaviyachal to him, and that we're not just, 
you know, constant takers, but we're actually giving. I think the Mr. Melio speaks about this. Mr. Melio says that there are two types of people in life. There's givers and there's takers. And it doesn't mean, and you should always, of course, be a giver, but that doesn't mean to say that a giver can never take. And the Gemara in Kedushin says that if a person is, normally a man has to give the wife the Kesef Kedushin, but there's an exception. If there's a very chash of a person that never takes anything from anyone, he's so chash of that he doesn't need anything from anyone, he doesn't take anything, he doesn't want anything, and a woman goes and gives him something and he accepts it, with that hanah that he took her present, he's giving, she is masking him to be married to him. That's like her equivalent of Shavu Kesef. That hanah, wow, he took my money. He took my chesed. He did it. He took, that's, that, that's a feeling that is wow. When a Baruch Hu takes something from us, that's like an amazing feeling. That act of taking is the biggest giving. And then Rabbi Rucham says, this doesn't only apply to when you're doing a chesed. It applies when people do wrong to you also. And this is very, very important for all of us to hear. A lot of times people have done wrong to us. They have been mean to us. They have been downright abusive sometimes to us. And now let's say they call you up and they want to ask you mechila. What do you do? I'm not talking, obviously, by the way, of extreme cases of abuse. I'm not talking about that. Okay, that's a different discussion. But I'm saying about regular, regular daily sort of, you know, your roommate and he, you know, there was a whole bunch of guys last night in the room and you were having a and he said something really nasty to you and it bothered you. Not abusive, but it was like, it was like really not nice. It was, it was mean. Or somebody caused you a lot of financial aggravation. They, they were, they, they just, they, they just, whatever. Whatever situation, yeah, there's a million of these situations. But people wronged you. I'm sure we can all conjure up in our mind at least one person who really did something bad to me, and I have a big problem with that person. What is human? What does the human condition say to do? Ladam. I don't want anything to do with that guy. He's not in my circle of friends. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to be Michael him. He's just mean, and I'm not, I have nothing to do with him, and, you know, goodbye and good luck. Good riddance. Not my friend. And this person, Nebuch, he knows he did something wrong to you, and he's squirming, and he feels so bad, and he wants to make amends, and you're not picking up the phone, and you're not allowing him to feel good about himself. That's not right. Just like when it comes to being native to somebody, if you do somebody a favor, you have to allow that person to respond and to, and to do a favor back to you so that he feels whole. When a person does bad to you, you also have to enable him to make it good again, to make, to make himself feel like I'm okay again, not to always look at you and feel, ugh, you know, I, how could I have done that? He feel I, I really messed up. Allow him to feel for a moment and forever that he's okay again. Because after a while, what happens is there is a moment that we're allowed to be upset. We should be upset. We're not. The Rambam says, "Person's not a stone. You're not expected to be superhuman. If you're upset about something, you're allowed to be upset. You're a human being. You have emotions." You could cry, you could scream, you could, you could feel bad. You're a human. You're not, no one's expecting you to be a robot. But at a certain point, enough is enough. You have to bury the hatchet at one point. In the words of Rabbi Rucham, there is a Shulchan Aruch, Shalhan Nifka. What is the Nifka? Nifka is the guy that wronged you. He was the guy that wronged you. He also has a, or, Actually, the Nifka's, I was wronged. I was the one that was on the receipt. I was abused. I was, you wronged me. But there's also Shulchan Aruch that I have to stick to even though that I was the one that was wronged. Admittedly, everybody agrees, you have the right to be upset. But there's a point that you have a Shulchan Aruch you have to say enough is enough. You're the Nifka, but there's a point that the Nifka becomes the Pagaya. 
you become, you go from being the nirdaf. There's a point when you stop, for, when you don't forgive the guy and you're mean to him and you're like, uh, and I'm not gonna, uh, you know, there's a point already that you become the pagea. You're the raidev. It's very easy to flip from being the nirdaf, being the one that's chased after. Now you're the guy chasing him. Because you're unrelenting. You don't stop. And there's a point that you have to stop and say, enough is enough. I was upset. I was not meichel you for a while, but now I, I, you, I see that you still want mechila. I'm going to give you mechila. And I'm going to be good to you. And this is what we learn from Yasef HaTzadik, says Yerucham. That Yasef HaTzadik understood that it's true that I was wronged. And that's an understatement. Yasef was wronged in ways that we can't understand. But Yasef understood that what should I do? I should mamish make them squirm and suffer. There's a shulchanach that I have to stick to as well. And there's a point that I have to just say enough is enough. And HaKadosh Baruch had a plan. Here I am. Today everything is good for me. I'm the melech. I'm in a position to help you. I'm going to do everything that I can. And I'm not going to make you squirm. Because now it's enough. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's bury the hatchet, whatever metaphor you want to use. But we have to stop this nonsense. We have to stop the cycle of violence, of just continuing having this machlekes, because I don't want to be a raidiv. I was a nirdaf, but now I'm, I could be a raidiv if I continue my whole life exacting revenge against you. That would be unfair to you. And you're also a human being. You're also entitled to be made whole again to restitution, to be able to restore your own self-esteem. And that's what Yasef teaches us. That the brothers, they did something really bad. But Yasef says, okay, you did something bad, but don't be upset anymore, it's fine. It's fine, I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to make you whole, and I'm going to make you feel like a mensch. Are these easy things for us to accomplish? Is it easy not to take revenge? Absolutely not. Revenge is very geschmack from what I understand. But the Torah says not to. That's one level. Because it's not them, it's the Rebbeinah that did it. And then the Taimur Devira lays another, another layer on top of what's expected of a Yid. That not only am I supposed to not take revenge, which is so tempting... I'm supposed to be native to the person that was bad to me. I'm supposed to do good to him on top of that, that Yosef did as well. Could check that box off as well. And ultimately to understand that even though somebody did bad to you, that person is a human being as well. He may have done bad to you, but there's a point that you can't make him such a monster. You have to understand he's a human being, he failed, we've failed many times within our own lives, interpersonally, allow him to feel like a mensch. Pick up the call when he's calling you and asking Mechila, Erev Yom Kippur, or on a regular Erev Shabbos. Take the call and say, I understand, it's fine, I'm Michael you, and make him feel good again. Allow him to go back and be a mensch again. It's something that's very hard. Because we like, when we're in a position of power, when people are calling us, after having done so much to us, and now we have the opportunity to turn the tables a little bit and to make them feel as bad as they made us feel, it's very, it's very, very enticing to take that bait. But Yasef HaTzadik in this week's parasha teaches us otherwise. That there's a Shulchan Aruch of the Nifka. Even if you were hurt and you were abused and you were, you were made to suffer by other people, there's a time that you have to say enough is enough. I'm Michael you. Let's be good again. Let's be friends again. You're, you're entitled to being made to feel good about yourself also. And like Rav Steinemann, these are, you can only really do this if you're, if you're a Rav Steinemann type of person. Because if you're too mired in this world, if you're too rooted in Ayom Hazer, you know, it's unbearable. What you, you don't know how many nights sleep I lost because of you. You don't know what you did to me. You don't know what you did to my Shalom Bayez. You don't know what you did to my Parnassi. You don't know what, you don't know what you did to me. And now you're gonna suffer. That's normal in this world. That's a normal experience. But if you just can live in like another world, like Rav Steinemann, an Eilam Habadika existence, that Bizyainis are good for me. 
and that the Rabbi Shalom is in charge, and that people are just merely pawns and puppets in the Rabbi Shalom's world, that's a world that you can perform all of these types of midas of Yesu Tzadik and, and excel at them. I'll just end with a, a beautiful bar that I heard this week at a simcha. Somebody told me um, from B'Shem Rav Shlaima Hyman that Rav Shlaima Hyman, the Rashiv of Tervadas, said the following. There's a Gemara in Megillah that says, Ain't Sur Kelekeinu. The Pasuk says there's no rock like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Tzur. And the Gemara Darshan's Ain't Sire Kelekeinu. Tzur is, don't read it Tzur, but read it Sire. What's a Sire? A Sire is an artist. There's no artist like the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar. is like the biggest Rembrandt of the world. What does that mean? Sir Shlemmeheimen says like this. He says there's different types of levels of painting. Sometimes if you're like an amateur painter, and you go and you paint a uh, picture of a, of a house, let's say, all right, it'll probably, you know, you make a, it'll be crude, it'll be very, you know, very, very raw and, and not professional, and everybody can see it's a painting, or it's an attempt at a painting. And then you're a little bit of a better artist and it sort of looks more like a house. A real artist, like the best artists, would be able to paint, a, like, let's say, a big mural of a house and it looks so real that you mamish go and you try to open the front door of the house until you realize that it's just a canvas. That's how a great artist is. It's so real that it mamish, it looks real. Ain't sire kalakenu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the greatest artist in the world. Because look what he did. He created an entire world. And he makes it look real. But it's not real. This world is not the real world. This is a fake world. It seems like, you know, there's a, there's a nice wooden chandelier and it, you can knock on it and it sounds real. It's not real. It's just the drawing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These lights are not real. The shtender is not real. The, the floor is not real. It's all just an illusion. This life is not a real life. We're living in a dream. It's all a dream. Obviously, it's a life. But it's only a life as a hechatimsa, as an ability. It gives us the ability to get into the real world, which is Ayom Haba. This world is just a fake world. It's not real. HaKadosh Baruch Hu drew a world and it makes it, he makes it seem so real. That the food is real and the taivas are real and the Sahara is real and the, you know, it's so geshmak a world. And so when people abuse me, when people puncture my ego, when people get into a fight with me, they insult me, I feel that, you know, I have to give it back. Why? <laughs> what do you mean why? This is, this is the real world. No, it's not. The Rabbani Shalom just painted this world, but it's not a real world. The real world is in Eilam Haba. This is the world that we just have to chaperayin, taira, mitzvahs, bezyaynes, yisurim, all these serum that we have in this world of Steinemann teaches us good. It's good for us. I want to suffer. I want to, I want to be able to have bezyaynes. I want to be able to eat the bare minimum and sleep the bare minimum and sit on a, on a, on a hard bed with a, with a stool in my back for some support. I don't want any comforts. I don't want any Eilam Haz. I just want to live a life that I could get into Eilam Haba. When a person lives like that, then all of these discussions that we're having today, revenge and uh, you know problems, interpersonal experiences, this and that, I'm not saying that you don't have to deal with them. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying it a little bit. You have to deal with interpersonal issues. If you have issues with people, you got to work them out. You have to iron them out. And it's very, very difficult. Trust me, I know. But at the end of the day, how could we rise to the Yasef HaTzadik challenge? Only once we realize that this world is not really exactly as it appears to be. It's, a, it's an illusion. All the things that are happening every day are just ways of testing us so that we get more Eilam Haba. If we're marred in this world, if we're completely, everything is Eilam if I have Eilam Hazak eyes... You hurt me, and you did this to me, you caused me that financial loss, and you caused me my shidduch to bust, and you caused me, you know, this parnasa, this job opportunity. Everything is like, you know, this world. But when a person realizes it's not this world, it's the next world that counts. And this world is challenge upon challenge, but in order to enable me to get higher and higher and greater and greater and grow, then I'm going to be quicker to be Michael other people. 
I'm going to be quicker not only to to endure the busyness, but to be mative in return. Send you a gift basket if you were if you were mative, if you if you were mevazimi. There's a chavis halvavis that says an amazing thing. Chavis says that once upon a time there was a person who found out that somebody was speaking terrible lashon hara about him. Now we know what we would do if somebody if we found out somebody was trashing us in shiduchim and parnasa jobs whatever you know we would like really go to war against them. You know what this guy did? He sent Erev Shabbos. He sent over a gift basket, uh, like a fruit basket, to this person with a with the following note. He says, "Thank you so much for speaking lashon hara about me. I really appreciate it." He says, "Because in the next world, all of your mitzvahs are going to be mine, and all of my avers are going to be yours. So I really thank you so much." Sign plenty on my Now, you can only do that if you really believe it. If you're a chayvus habavus yid with shar bitachin, you could live that way. If you if you're so in this world, how can he speak lashon hara? He's terrible. Going to go and fight him and, and get my friends against him. But if a person's a chayvus habavus yid and understand that whatever you're doing to me is going to be ultimately for my good, you're 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 insulting me, you're hurting me, you're trying to cause me harm. Hakadosh Baruch is taking note of everything, and he's giving me schar for this, and everything is going to be fine, and Baruch Hashem, the more busyness I take, the better. That's a person that could be a Yaisa Vatsadik. That's a person that the Shekhinah is Shaira on. Because he lives with the Shekhinah. Eidas be a Yaisa Vatsadik. HaKadosh Baruch Hu added a hey to Yaisa Vatsadik's name, because Yaisa was a person that lived with the Rabbi Nishlam. He understood that everything that happens in my life is is godly, is divine, and I have an obligation to follow suit and to be divine myself. And in Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zaycheh to have these amazing midas of Yesu Tzadik to be able to deal interpersonally with people, but in a way that's much more chill, in a way that's much more relaxed, not so serious, not so intensively, not so, you know, tension, but just like, fine, you did an avla to me, it's good. I'm Michael. You. What can I do back for you? Thank you. Be that way. If we could be that way, then our life—forget about Elam Haba. Our Elam Haza will be an enjoyable place to live. We'll be able to get along with our friends, with our family, with our community, and not take everything so to heart because we know that Hakadosh Baruch ultimately is the orchestrator and the conductor of everything that happens every single day. Have a wonderful Shabbos.